it doesn't matter what you do or you don't know all that matters is that if you have that little bit of knowledge that can help someone through what you've learned previously i think that's more than enough if you're if you're helping your patient or the person you're treating on the path towards recovery or getting better or changing their life i think that's more than enough even if your knowledge at that point in time is not sufficient Welcome back to the Forever Young Podcast, a Chinese medicine podcast hosted by Chinese medicine graduates. We release episodes every week on a Thursday, and if you're new here, feel free to subscribe or follow us to keep up to date with our uploads. I'm Brendan, and I'm joined by Nick. Yo, how are we going, guys? Timmy. Hey, yo. And Sha- Psych. Charlene's not here today. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh I got you. I got you. You got me. <laughs> Charlene's yeah. not feeling 100% today, so she's decided to sit this one out. So you're stuck with um, this sausage vest of the three boys. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was professional. Oh, very professional. Of course. It's a, it's a professional term. What can I say? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got um, Dermot. <laughs> dermatological problems on my sausage please check that out doctor oh, uh, yeah, let me no check worries. out your sausage yeah i'll just inspect your sausage real quick <laughs> my god all right hold on i wanted to st- okay so it's been a hot minute since we've done the regular intros uh you, we've i think we we just wrapped up the introductory series this is our first episode yes. back since yeah yes. yes um so we didn't actually say it last time but that was it uh that was it for the introductory series. Yeah, for you've now. graduated. For now. For now. We'll, we'll probably revisit it. Maybe the second unit of some sort. We'll start second sem whenever we feel like it. So uh, we'll just see how that goes. <laughs> You're not paying for yeah, it, so you just get it whenever you get it. All right? <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Nick's going full aggressive mode on them. You think you pay your student fees? You don't pay anything. All right? <laughs> They're ours now. student fees. Even if you did pay your student That's fees, true. you just get it whenever they want it. Want to give it to you anyway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is COVID. This is co- we're in the middle That's of a right. pandemic. There's like, things oh that are up God. in the air. All right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel it's all so up bad in the air. Students. Yeah, students have it so hard. So I have a friend in. Actually, pay. I have a friend in yeah, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, paramedics, and he was supposed to do. He was supposed to do a like placement. And also, like, a lot of prac work, obviously, being a paramedic. And that is just all over the shop. Like, that is just... Like, that is... It's it's all over the shop, and he hates it. He absolutely hates it. And also, the, like, the Chinese med uh, faculty, too. That it's, It really sucks for them. Yeah, uh, there's, there's going to be a lot of, like, nurses and, you know, important people that miss important... Um, aspects of their training because of this um 100% you know i hope they've they've all been prepared well over these last 12 months or last 8 months um but i fear that we might have a lot of new you know, not just nurses but a lot of new people that are in you know the health industry or you know important fields of life that are not as good as they should be. And it's not any blame yeah. to them, but it's blame to preparation and, you know, being in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, and it really sucks. It's, like, so out of their control, too. Like, yeah. 
I don't know how they people, could probably do that. And then there's going to be a lot of people that aren't good enough that fall through the cracks. Um, and just exactly. And they're going to be like, oh, I'm not really good enough, but here I am. And it's like, oh, Jesus. Wow. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, I, I think, I think it's true. I mean, if you're really dedicated to what you're doing, you would take the, uh, you'd, you'd imagine that you take the extra effort to um, uh, do the extra study and like, you know, practice techniques and stuff. Obviously, there's, like, there's a huge limit right now because you don't have an instructor showing you like how to do certain things and um, all that. But I mean, this techno proactivity is probably the most important roundabout now just because you, there's, you're so limited now. Um, and honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking if I was a student during this time, my motivation levels would be like, Oh yeah. No, you'd be all yeah, the way rock down. Bottom. All the way down. Wouldn't be taking any, like any extra study. Cause it's just, there's just so much going on. I mean, like if lockdown fatigue is a real thing. Like motivation is just hit a complete like wall lately. Oof. It's crazy. Which, which does sort of segment into, um, our topic for today. Did you have something else to chat about, B, before we did that? To be honest, I was actually just going to say a joke as a, as like the pre-roll, but I'll save it for next week. <laughs> right, I had so like a, uh, yeah. Okay, damn. I'm, I'm down to listen to a joke. <laughs> yeah, I'll save it next week as well. Yeah, go oh, ahead, no, no, no. no, let, no, no. Let me hit you with this joke, okay? I saved this like, what, what year is this? I saved this about four years ago because I thought it was hilarious. I, wow. I don't want to preface that His too much. His great but. ancestors told him to save this joke in the most dire. <laughs> Thank you. Pete. That's it. Let me. Thank you. Oh, okay. Let me take you back to oh, 2016, where you know uh, we were allowed outside. Oh no. What's this? Uh, what were you? Were we in? We're in second year. Uh, second year. Second year. And I was browsing Reddit, and I found this joke, and I thought it was hilarious. I also have on the screenshot a whole bunch of Yu-Gi-Oh pages, so you know. Put that as take that as you will. <laughs> so, all right. So, the the joke goes that realizing that this is this is a quite a lot of sheep for one farm, and Jess's sheepdog is getting a bit old. He decides. Oh, sorry. A farmer has. Sorry, I should preface it. I, I forgot there was a there was a title. Let me start again. All right. <laughs> hold up. See, I'm not a comedian. A farmer. All right. Let me let me start. All right. Hold up. Hold up. Let me just get into the zone. All right. For the young podcast, a joke page. <laughs> A farmer Bro, has. Not even well written. That's it. It's so long, it goes on. Forever. If there's a, if there is a tra- one day if someone has to write a transcript on my speech, like I feel sorry for them, and they should get a pay raise. I'm telling you, like they right, have to try and shit, shit right. Come on, man. <laughs> you talk about professionalism. All right. So long. A farmer. Shut the. All right. A farmer has 895 sheep. <laughs> I haven't even told the punchline yet. <laughs> All right, a farmer has eight hundred ninety-five sheep. Nick, you right? How many <laughs> sheep again? Wait, start again. Start again. Oh, I God missed it. I missed it. All right, just just let you know. Right, he, the farmer has eight hundred ninety-five sheep. Realizing that this is a quite a lot of sheep for one farm, and Jess the sheepdog is getting a bit old, he decides that he'll probably need a new dog. No, a whole team of dogs to round up so many sheep. So the next day, the farmer goes to the pet store and he looks around, to around the you know the herding dogs, and they seem quite fit. 
but they're young and untrained. So the shopkeeper comes up to him and he's like, you need, you need any help? And the farmer's like, yeah, I do, I do. I need a team, a team of sheepdogs to help round up my flock. I have a rather large number of sheep, so I don't think these young dogs would do do the task I'm looking for. So I don't think I don't I don't think they're really that great. And the shopkeeper's like, don't worry about it. I I got I got the thing for you. Just come with me. So he leads the farmer into the into a small back room where a single sheepdog is just like sitting and chilling. And then the farmer's like, you sure? It's just one sheepdog i have i have a lot of sheep so i don't think they'll be he'll be able to round them up and the shopkeeper's like don't worry about it i'm sure this is a real real smart dog he's been well trained for many jobs it has skills beyond any other dog that i've seen and the dog's like yeah bro i know six languages eight martial arts and have a degree in engineering the farm the farmer's like whoa all right um i mean the dog's talking and he's super impressed so he's like yeah cool so he decides to take him home so that afternoon the farmer and the dog walk up the hill together and from the top they can see the entire flock covering the fields and the farmer's like all right i'd like you to round up all the sheep and like the dog's like all right you have 900 sheep <laughs> jesus <laughs> We waited. Don't think that you need long. an engineering degree for that. <laughs> we waited that I had long to pay student for, loans. For, okay, round them up. You have 900 <laughs> sheep. I thought that was hilarious. I don't know what y'all are, but that was hilarious. <laughs> the build up. Right. The build up was huge. I didn't know where you were going. I didn't know whether it was going to be dirty. The build up was so high. Yeah. I, I was expecting. Like, when the cliff come, when that when the punchline hit, you just fell straight off the cliff. Yeah, yeah like you threw what? us, the audience, off the cliff. <laughs> it's a good joke. Okay, the punchline was more of like a slap line, but I mean, it was it was not bad. Like I think it was alright. You slapped us so hard, you threw us off the cliff. <laughs> that it was meant to be the good cliff. Hey, it's a punchline. That means it punched well, you know. I'm I'm so sad that I'm so sad that I'm so I'm so sad that you guys don't appreciate that joke. That is an that is an amazing joke. Whatever. Let's maybe, just talk about. Maybe our, maybe our listeners did appreciate. Let's just maybe talk about the clinics. I'm, I'm over you guys. Let's just talk about clinics. Alright, I wish Charlene was here. Alright. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, cool. right. She would appreciate my joke. Right. God damn it. She so would. today's today's topic, we're going to chat about um, what student clinic was like. Uh, what our experience in the China hospital was like when we got to internship in China. And then we're also going to chat about what uh, what this year has been like for us in terms of our Chinese medicine journeys. Um, you know, I've started my own clinic. B's working in an established clinic. Tom's doing his own thing. So we're going to sort of um, take you through through a bit of a journey from from about fourth year of student life to present day. Um, so... We'll start off with student clinic, seeing it's our youngest self. Take you back in time. Um, what, is, what are some things you would... So, pretend we're talking to a second-year student or a third-year student. <coughs> Somebody in their early days that are sort of don't know much about pathways and stuff like that. We'll take that approach. Um, so, let's chat about student clinic. What was it like? How was it? Did you find it beneficial? Did you find it hindering? Um, sort of, was it fun? Was it shit? 
let's talk about that. I really enjoyed Student Clinic. Um, I think it shaped most of how I treat today. Like, you know, for me, the interaction between the patient and the practitioner was probably the most scariest thing for me to kind of combat. And I'm pretty sure I've told you guys before, but I haven't told on the podcast before. I was on the verge of just dropping out before Student Clinic because I was like, man, I'm not, I'm not really... I don't think it's fair for me to treat um, people if I'm not all in. And like, if I'm actually seeing people that want that need help and I'm not 100% committed to this course because, you know, second, I think, no, third year, third year blues kind of get you like that. I was like, man, I don't think, I don't think it's right for me to really treat people who need help and I'm half-assing this course. But once I was in clinic and I was actually you know, treating people, interacting, talking with people and um, actually having hands-on work in the field, I think it changed my perspective. And the things I learned in clinic, which we'll obviously dive into a little bit later, um, I think that pretty much cemented me into being a, like a, a good practitioner. And that, as I was saying before, like during COVID, like how, how do, I don't know about the, how, I, don't, I don't know how the students would feel now for not having that same experience I did. And I don't know what type of practitioner that would make. I mean, obviously it's different person to person, but anyway, I'm going off tangents. But yeah, I really enjoyed it, like for real. Did you, yeah, did you regret your decision? Because you didn't feel like you wanted to go to student clinic, but now that you actually did, do you feel like you would have regretted if you didn't take the same path that you did now? Are they even talking? You had have dropped out. Are they t- talking even yeah, outside so. of clinic? No, no, you're good. Um, talking outside of clinic too, like clinic itself benefited me in like a, a lot of lifestyle ways because I work in retail too. So they kind of go hand in hand. Um, even like personal interactions, it improved uh, putting myself in a professional setting. Like those, I, I learned a lot of skills. Like they, it, it worked a, a, a good range of skills when I was in student clinic, especially how stu- uh, clinics work. Um, even just having the consult, like the bare, the bare basics, having the consult and then, um, the brainstorming aspect of it and then the treatment. So it kind of put my, it puts my brain in a certain spot to know what's coming and what to do. And then, so when now I'm out in the real world, it's kind of, that's how most clinics work, Western medicine or Chinese medicine. So I don't, I don't regret it at all. I don't regret staying because in the long run, and you know, second or third year student me wouldn't really see this, but in the long run, it would it benefited me more than just being a practitioner too. So I'm pretty happy with it. So, so can we come back to that that third year B and sort of talk about what they were feeling? Like, like you said, you were sort of half-assing it. You said you weren't feeling um, like like it was appropriate for you to be treating people. So how did you sort of get into that slump? Like what was the, if, if you don't mind me asking. On no, now, of like, course, of course. What was your student mentality? Um, and, you know, because this is, that's a normal thing. Um, you know, we did a five-year course. And once you get to that middle point, it's, it's sort of a do or die. Um, if you're on the fence, you tend to lean the other way. Um, and... You, you sort of tend to be thinking, well, do I really want to commit to another two and a half years of of doing this when it's when my heart's not really in it? Um, so this is a normal thing, and 
you know, I sort of just wanted you to share sort of what it was like to sit on the fence and then sort of, yeah, how you sort of pushed yourself to the uh, to, to staying in. Yeah, I, it's, it's, I think it's a very common scenario for a lot of, um, a lot of the younger students too, like going straight from year 12, completing your VCE and then jumping into a five-year course is like very daunting. And for someone that's very, um, I get very intimidated by the future. So it's like, um, if, if I'm thinking about a five-year course, it's so daunting that I wouldn't even start in the first place. Um, coming into Chinese medicine, uh, it was a, and for, from straight from VCE, like a lot of decisions made in, in year 12, you're not like 100%, no, you don't really know what you're going to do. So then you kind of choose whatever's there. Um, so I chose Chinese medicine. I enjoyed it. I loved it. Um, but when I hit that two to three year mark, I, th- I must've hit some sort of fatigue. Like there was a, there was a fatigue of just like, you know, I've done ever since, like I've done so straight schooling, there was no freedom, no nothing like that. And, and give and like up to the third year, it was pretty intense, especially the third year where we're doing like neuroscience, we're doing microbiology, um, chemistry was one of them, uh, like in first year and stuff like that. But there was just no, it was nonstop. It was intense. And it was, I think I put myself, the, the mentality I had, I had back then was just like, I don't really want to do all of this for the rest of my life, you know, all that study. But then there's a lot of people that say, uh, being outside of uni is completely different to, um, being in uni. Like it's not the same. So then after I hit that slump, after I got over, got over the, the hump here, I guess, it felt a lot better. I think that goes, goes for a lot of five-year courses that have placements, is that I think to stick it out until you have placement and you have that real-world experience is quite important when you're really feeling that slump because um, it, it's a completely different world. Like applying so- those things that we learned is better. Uh, what's up? So how did you, how did you roll over that hill? How did you get past that third year slump? Um, just quickly. Uh, I don't did know. Did you just sort of like, stick it out? And I stuck it out, man. You know, like, fight through this, it and then see what Yeah. Happens. I think, I think it's just, I, I, I feel like that a good portion of it was surrounding yourself with some good people. Like having, having like our group, mainly i mean some background we've all kind of just stuck together throughout the five years of our uni um but having that solid group together made it a lot more bearable and kind of trying to be optimistic as well as um i think in the third year i became a little bit a teeny bit more organized like i try to you know have a planner and uh, write down a little bit more things so that way i felt more in control so at least when it came to things like due dates and it came to things like assignments, I'd be on top of it more. Um, of course, taking care of yourself physically and stuff also contributes a lot. And I tried to really jump on that, but really you got to kind of muscle it out a little bit. I, I hate to say it because it's such like a, a, th- a throwaway answer, but you kind of got to muscle it out. <laughs> um, it gets better after the third year though, I reckon. All right. So, Reel it back and we'll ask Tom, how was your student clinic experience? My student, um, let's, let's clarify what we experienced first. Like, so we had 
this was the student uh, practitioner sort of, we had a trained clinician on us during the premise at all times. Uh, we had to hit a quota in a logbook. I think it was, how many hours did we need? Like um, 180 oh. hours. Oh, a lot. Look at that, <laughs> <laughs> it changed every year, though. We needed a certain amount of hours per semester, per like, and per course. So, yeah, that was quite a. Few, I can't remember off the top of my head. It was over. Was it over 200 hours altogether? That was uh, more than yeah, a thousand or something. Yeah, I thought it was more than. It a was a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah. There yeah, you go, more than a thousand hours <laughs> that we needed for over three years. Um, we had to hit a patient quotas for specific types of conditions. So you have uh, like gynecological conditions, dermatological conditions, um, pediatrics, internal medicine uh, conditions. You had to hit specific amount of patients in these criteria as well. And we also had a dispensary component that we needed to do so we needed to fill hours for dispensing herbs how to communicate how to take the herbs um, that's generally what we had to do during student clinic when doing that sort of stuff um, so what did you find was the the hardest aspect of that i th i think for me it's going from a student where everything's sort of theory based you only practice from treating other students in your class to treating real life people with real life problems was the scariest part for me during third year because it's like you get that sense of responsibility and struggle that I think B experienced as well when he was talking about if he's not in the right mindset like how can he be expected to help treat someone so else how did you but how did you cope with that like did did you did you have moments uh, where Sort of not very weird. well, really, yeah. at the start. Like, that was a really, really big struggle for me. But it it doesn't matter what you do or you don't know. All it matters is that if you have that little bit of knowledge that can help someone through what you've learned previously, I think that's more than enough. If you're, if you're helping your patient or the person you're treating on the path towards recovery or getting better or changing their life I think that's more than enough even if your knowledge at that point in time is not sufficient to treat them properly as long as you're you have that intention of wanting to help someone and guiding them towards recovery or like back to balance then I think that's good enough please preach that preach it dude. That, that yeah is you the know message. I, I um, did want to yeah, ask you something to me Oh, sorry, I just wanted uh, to mention on that. Thing. Yeah, yeah, go for it. That doesn't that doesn't just stick with students as well, you know. Uh, that sticks throughout your whole practice life. Um, once you once you graduate, once you get out into the real world, you're not going to have all the knowledge in the world. And even once you're you know been practicing forever, there's gonna be stuff that stumps you, um, and just let it stump you. So yeah, preach that, Tom. Mm. Yeah, what I always found really admirable about Timmy's practice in, in student clinic was like, um, and I've always wa wanted to know, like, what was your drive to do this was you'd always seem to get stumped all the time. 
I'm getting stumped now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, not get stumped. But when you saw a condition, let's say you you found a complex condition, you would almost ex- like take a almost like a even further step to research that that condition deeper and deeper and deeper and different ways they can go. And then, um, especially something like, for example, your acne. Um, I remember you you found a crazy formula that um that helped with a lot of acne and things like that which was like a good page long of the ingredients and it tasted like ass and i used to dispense all the time (laughs) because you somehow dispensed it every time i was in dispensary (laughs) i think i was treating the same day so i would always just like get my pay like i would always prescribe myself herbs and then you would be dispensing on the same day as well so i would just dispense my own herbs <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> but i would always be left back just because of you I'd be like Jim, it's six yeah. o'clock <laughs> I it go took home. me four hours to make your herbs and you said and, and you I said encapsulated <laughs> <laughs> nah, no, you never did capsulate, I don't think. <laughs> I had to put it in tubs, but... No, I, I did raw herbs, I think. Oh, you did raw, I did you? decoct it. Oh, uh, yeah, the decoction, that's the one. Anyway, I digress. What Would you say... I think you probably already answered my question already, but is that the motivation... Is, was there another motivation for you to really take those extra steps? Because you were a very extra step kind of practitioner back in student clinic. So what was your thought process during those times? It, it was because... I was in so much of a stump. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll leave this between the three. I think two, you two already know, but I'll let the listeners know as well, I guess, <laughs> that like, during my first year of student um, student clinic, I, w- I, I got absolutely destroyed by the clinician when um, I, was, I was presenting my consult to him. I was like, I've got this, this, and this. And he's like, what about this? Did you ask about this? Did you ask this? You're taking too long for your consults. You're not asking the right questions. And he obliterated me to the point where I was on the bread, like on the like edge of breaking down. But Aww. I think that point was probably my lowest point. I like cried. Oh, <laughs> as well. But yeah, Aww. he like full, he like did not do it nicely and not in a very good teacher promoting way. Pretty much, that was the breaking point for me, and I was like, "That's it." If oh yeah, do you feel like you needed that? Like, not to, not to promote the way he taught, uh, not to promote the way that certain clinician treated you, or however. Um, do you feel like you needed what he said? Like, do you feel like you needed that that kick up the ass um, type of? Like, dude, you got to get your shit together. Like, it's do or die. Or can I can I add to that? Not the right. Time. Yes. Yeah, go for it. What did you take from that? Rather. So, let me just give you some context. He was he was worried. Like the re- he was telling me to be quicker in terms of my consult because I was taking too much time, and he just like roasted me about all this other irrelevant stuff. Because um, he had a newborn kid and he wanted to go home to see that newborn child, so I was like, I was like, like all the stuff he said. He was like, just because we're friends doesn't mean I can't give you a kick up the ass sort of thing. And I was like, that's fine. Like I totally understand what you're saying. But he's like, you don't respect me. You don't do this, this, this. He pretty much went on a rant. So I think a lot of his one was just his personal feelings. It needed to be addressed. But 
I think I do need it. I did need the kick up the ass, like you were saying, Nick. Like that feeling that I got from him kicking me in the ass. Like, sure, it wasn't for the right reasons or the right intentions, but getting that kick in the ass is what I actually needed. So yes, I do sort of agree with you. I think the guy was wrong to say what he said, but I yeah. did need a kick in the ass is what I needed. For my journey of like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. For my journey to start of starting to put more effort into filling in the holes that I didn't know, so that feeling really bad. So, so what changed after a post rant, um, and post getting slammed, um, what what changed afterwards? So, from start to finish of the day, how can I improve myself? Like. Is there any ways that I can do this to improve my time? So the first thing I could think of was do prior research. So if the patient comes in, if if the patient comes in, I should have already researched their condition. I can ask them pre-recorded messages that I had in in my head. Two would be um, have acupoints and herbs already ready. So if it was, let's say I'm looking at someone with acne, for example, I would already have in my mind, oh, is it lung heat? Is it damp heat? Is it blood, like blood heat? Like I would each have recorded formulas, modifications and acupuncture points prior to seeing the patient, seeing the patient if I, if they're a return patient. So if they got better, I would look at using these herbs. If they got worse, I would look at using these herbs or using these questions to ask about that or feeling for these pulses. This sort of like, pre-research helped for me to ask patients relevant questions and treat them better after post-ran if that helps yeah yeah it's very good yeah. information yeah. tom that's thank you for sharing um because that's yeah i feel like somebody somebody listening um can yeah take take a lot of benefit out of that nick we haven't heard much about your experience um yeah going into uh, it i feel like everything yeah student clinic for me was was a good um i feel like it was a good transition from so like student classroom life into like dealing with people and chatting to people and and sort of finding my own confidence um okay and and like i i come off as a very confident person you know, we're not all, you know, deep down, we're not. <laughs> you are confident a confident person. You are a confident person. I mean, China yeah, showed like that. Mentally, <laughs> um, <laughs> mentally, you know, you, I, you, you don't feel as confident as you come off. Um, okay, so having to take us, take us back. In, take us back. Uh, in, uh, timid. <laughs> like, full cut him off. I'm, I'm going to cut him off because I want to know. I want to know. Timid, timid <laughs> Nicholas, all right? Timus, Timus. Uh, pre. <laughs> Timid, pre-clinic pre timid Nicholas, you know, thir- third year coming into it, heard about student clinic, given the briefing of the hours and everything. What, what, was your, what was your mindset and how did you feel about clinic at that time? And how did Look, you I change felt, if you did? I felt confident. Um, you know, I felt good about sort of what I knew and that, you know, like what Tom was saying, like, um, you know, you're not going to know everything and it's okay to make mistakes and you know, I prep myself with all that type of stuff, um, and that whole um, like, all right, like we can do this. 
like let's prep our, pep ourselves up you know that whole that whole aspect I was okay on um but then you know sort of getting into student clinic and asking the right questions um being on time going to talk to clinicians now going to co- talk to the clinician was one of my biggest things um and I and there was a there was a few times where and I think it was with the same clinician Tom um which is <laughs> not you know not relevant it's not relevant and it's not you know because of him but it was just the the moment um I took a consult and there was probably 15 people in the room like in the in the clinician room and I went in and I presented and I got two sentences in and I ran out of information I just blanked and I I just hit a wall and <laughs> I felt all eyes on me and you know it, it's it's those type of moments where you yeah you're sort of standing there deer in the headlights yeah that's yeah, exactly that's what it. I was gonna say that's exactly um, what I was gonna say deer in the headlights <laughs> and you know he grilled me um and about like about asking the relevant questions and like doing the relevant things and like you know like how and then I I had to go back and be like okay I've I stuffed that up like and I haven't been good at this previously um and it did take a, a while before I sort of had come up with a formula of how to present a case properly and I mean we do we do a go over it in classes and but until you're there doing it it doesn't matter like I hated all those simulation classes because it doesn't matter no matter how many times you do it in a simulated class, it doesn't matter until you get in front of the clinician and you say, this is this, this is that, you know, these are all the facts, this is all the irrelevant stuff that if you want to know it, you can know it, this is, you know, tongue, pulse, These, this is what I think it is, this is what I want to do, what do you think? Um, you know, and it takes it takes a lot of time and a lot of confidence to get to that point. And I feel like that was sort of the hardest thing with me, you know, I'm all right talking to people and talking to patients and doing acupuncture and, you know, I I had my values set before I, you know, sort of got into student clinic by myself. Um, you know, I wanted, I knew I wanted to be timely. I knew I wanted to be professional. Um, I knew I wanted to put my patients before myself. You know, these type of things. Um, I already had in my mind, like, this is who I want to be. So let's go and put it in place. Um, so yeah, I feel like the the clinician one was the biggest one for me that, that took the longest amount of time, you know, because, yeah, because, you know, they're like, they're a person of sort of power or person of authority and, you know, that you feel daunting talking to them about something that they already know, like, you know what I mean? Like you feel inferior for a long time. And I feel like once you get over that, um, student life student clinic life becomes a lot better. We're not going to have enough time to talk about everything we want to talk about here today. <laughs> we really don't. Yeah. I mean, like, we can keep rolling on the clinic, student clinic thing because this is, this is some good discussion. This is some, some yeah, good we'll source. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. How, how do you guys feel now that... Because back then when we were in the student clinic practice, we had that safety net of having a trained practitioner there someone's always there to like spot you if anything goes wrong you can always go running running to that sort of safety net 
and and just being like oh patient has collapsed or like this has gone wrong like instead of you having to do everything how has that changed now that you've both now started treating in your own practice or in an established practice uh i feel like i feel <laughs> not to not to sort of take away from student learning but i feel so free um i feel I feel like that I can make my own decisions and that's what I was looking forward to um, out of student clinic. And by the end of student clinic, you get over it. You, you, because you, there, you know, where we went to university, there was, you know, seven or eight clinicians with all differing opinions and how they treat and, you know, um, different pathways that they go down. And, you know, that's fantastic. And we learned so much from every single one of them. But it's difficult when, say, you're treating on a Tuesday and a Friday. You see that patient first on a Tuesday. You go to see one clinician. They say, yep, looks like this. Do these set of points. No worries. And then they they can't come in the next Tuesday, so you book them in on the Friday. That's a different clinician. You go, you present the exact same case. They say, oh, no, 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 no. It's not, I don't think it's this. It's more like this other Sim- uh, this other syndrome, let's do these points instead. And then it just, like, that inconsistency in treatment um, makes it very difficult to get results. So I think now treating by myself and being able to see patients every week or every two weeks and you get them in and you do the same sort of result, same sort of pa- points and you can sort of review the case a little bit deeper and better um, and spend the time with them a little bit more I feel like that freedom is, is you know, like priceless. Yeah, hundred percent priceless. priceless. <laughs> <Not> yeah, <laughs> you know, I cannot appreciate that enough to just be able to do. I get that. Do what I want to do. Adding, adding to what you were saying, Nick, about freedom, because I feel that, like, I think with when it comes to student clinic and the way that I kind of felt about it was at first during third year, you kind of like, oh, I need that safety net. Um, and then as the years go on, when you hit, start hitting fifth year, you're kind of just like, oh, I really want to try this, but, uh, this clinician is restricting me to do so, or they don't think it's not, it's, it's not, not the best idea and stuff like that. And I feel like it's because, and the, if, if anyone's in student clinic now, I a hundred percent want you to take away take this away from, uh, this podcast, but every, uh, I think we've talked about it before. Every practitioner is different and everyone has a different way of treating. And that's why you get so many different opinions from different experts. So, cause like uh, someone might prefer back shoe points to tonify or someone might go directly to the, um, directly to the organ. It's, it's, there's different techniques for each practitioner. And as you treat more and more, you just start figuring out what type of practitioner you are. Like, there's the one doctor that's hella fast and super efficient. And there's another doctor who's gentle and takes more of their time. So you kind of, adding to what I was saying before, you got to figure out what type of practitioner you want to be or what you're naturally comfortable uh, being. And then where do you go from there? So then when you top, by the time you hit fifth year, you're like, okay, this is my style. This is my style of treatment. And I want to keep going with this style of treatment. And and then that's where you get that restriction feeling being in student clinic. So now being outside of clinic now for me, I'm able to do all the modalities I want. Time was a big factor for me back then, but now time's not really much of a factor for me now. 
because I have that freedom of being like, okay, I can really take care of this patient. If they need cupping, I'm going to do cupping. If they need cupping and needles, I have the time to do that because I have that freedom to do so. So I, I think that's that's the biggest difference. Like I, it, it goes from being a safety net to being more of a restriction after you treat for a couple of years. Mm, I agree. Yeah. Did you find that? Like did you find China that to me? Sort of- Sorry, Sorry, I was just going to say, like, I feel like China, like, set us free in that, you know, (laughs) we spent, we spent four months there and it was sort of like, go there and just, like, be free and do whatever you want um, and then, like, come back and, like, you know, sort of knuckle down and, like, this is who, like, who you are sort of thing. Um, Yeah, I feel like it was, like, a good transition. Was that, like, cocoon phase? Of, you, you pick up you, know, you pick up different habits you pick up different habits from like a whole bunch of clinicians and then when you're exposed to the complete a completely different world like chinese practitioners you tend you tend to pick up some completely different habits too um like the efficiency or the <laughs> i think the one thing i got from china was like no one gave gave a shit if you were in pain if the patient was in pain they'd just go for it <laughs> I kind, I kind of got a little bit from from that from China because I, I get get a little bit ruthless oh, now. <laughs> I, I I think China has that ruthless mentality where because I'm the doctor, I you're like the child to me, and then I will do what I think is best for you. And therefore, if this acupuncture needle causes you to kick and scream, it doesn't matter because it's going to do you better in the long run. And the patient and surrenders to people- that too. Yeah, I think most people are sort of in that mindset of what I'm in a horrendous amount of pain. Do whatever you need to do so I feel better. You know what I mean? And I feel like you don't get that in a student clinic um, because they still have that student, like they still view you as not a full practitioner. Um, and there's, a, yeah, I feel like there's a couple of things that you there's miss no trust. in student clinic. Very There's little, not as much trust. Yeah, very yeah, trust. yeah, yeah. I totally get that. Because I, th- I, I think yeah. that. Oh, yep. Yeah, sorry, you go. No, 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 no. I didn't have much of a point. Or you. Oh, uh, I was just gonna say that this tends to stem from that very Western Eastern culture where, um, that's why when you talk about Asian parents, it's always like very strict, very hardcore, no patience, no nonsense sort of thing, whereas. Because they've been brought up on, if it causes you pain, it's probably better for you anyways. Whereas, <laughs> here, here it's like, oh, there's a bit painful and it kind of hurts. I'm not touching this ever again. <laughs> I just felt so weird touching this. I'm never going to do this ever again. Yeah, I think also, like, it's it's true. It's true. Yeah. Uh, touching on what you're saying, sorry to cut you off. I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, no, 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 I was done. People in the Western world don't know much about acupuncture. So you tend to, the people that know more about acupuncture, they're more like, oh, you know, hurt away. It's fine because I know the pain that I'm going to feel from acupuncture is not going to be that bad. But people that don't know much about needles, they're just like, oh my God, is it supposed to hurt like that? Like, I don't know if it's supposed to hurt like that. And then they freak out and then it causes them more pain because they're freaking out. Like, and it's just, it's this is the thing. <laughs> but student clinic yes. was a good, was a good place to experiment on those type of things. You know, on how try to out your talk level fourteens, your yeah, that's all it. your wacky points. Yeah, and how to like oh. talk to people about how acupuncture should feel, and the responses that you get, you know, from people in student, like uh, patients in student clinic, was always was always fun. 
The beautiful but thing is that they actually up. hopped it up. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh. <laughs> Just when he was talking. <laughs> I know. So rude, I know. Nicholas. Go. Say what you need. Nah, to I, I forgot what I was going to say. I forgot what I was going to say. Wasn't anyway. anyway. Wow, Ooh. look what you did. Well, you know what? All right, whatever, Nick. I don't like you. You suck. <laughs> 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 nah, Nick, I hope... round it up, all right? Nick, round it up. Oh, no, nah, I'm going to take, take, take it. I want to take it. I want to take it from Nick. I want to round it up. Screw you, Nick. <laughs> oh, I, I got one one last phrase before he, before I ask Sh- Sheepdog B or Nick to round it up. Um, <laughs> good segue. Now I'm really happy that you made the joke. Now we can say <laughs> it came full circle. Full circle. It did come full circle. Um, on, just a say? good phrase to use in student, uh, in clinic or whatever. Is no pain, no gain. I use that one phrase so often in student clinics. It's crazy. As a joke, don't don't actually like. That's like we just did the China the China Clinic podcast episode just in that one phrase right there. In one phrase, literally. No pain, no gain. Anyway, so I hope oh, you got something from this uh, podcast. <laughs> three hundred. <laughs> anyway. Hope you got something from this podcast uh, and all the student clinic uh, students, practitioners out there. Um, hope you all learned something today because, you know, we have a little bit of experience and hope you're not too intimidated from going to student clinic anyway. I mean, no one's really going to student clinic now, but more just for the future. Um, anyway, as always, thank you for listening to the Forever Young podcast. Don't forget to follow us and keep up to date. Um, uh, you can join our Facebook dis- discussion page. Um, and we also have a Facebook page, so give that a like, and, uh, also give us a, give us a follow and stuff like that. Um, I said follow twice. Anyway, and. (laughs) And, as always, (laughs) we've been the Forever Young Podcast, and you'll hear from us next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.